From Relay FM, this is virtual episode number 54. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by the newly iPhoned Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Mike. Hello, Federico. How are you today? Um, I'm a little tired because I didn't uh, sleep much last night. You know, I needed to wake up early to go to the Apple store. But I'm very, very happy, Mike, that I got a new iPhone. It's a new iPhone day for me. Always, always a, a nice experience to have a new toy. You know, I can install all my apps. I can log in into all my accounts. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I entertain myself, Mike. I fill logins. That's what I do. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> you don't sound you don't sound convinced. Oh, setting up a new phone <laughs> is just just the worst now. It's just so difficult. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it used it used to be worse. Maybe I don't know. No, At you least have to now enter we have way more information than you did before. Yeah, but we got faster internet now. <laughs> You know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> is you know, is that all it takes? The, I mean, progress, right? Yeah. I mean, five years ago, you were stuck with that kind of slow 3G connections. And do you remember how horrible migra- migrating photos from a computer to an iPhone was? So now you can just, you know, activate iCloud and wait a couple of hours and they just come down from the cloud and they're all there. I think it used to be worse. It seems worse today because you have more services. Yeah. But the, the 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 infrastructure itself, like slower internet, slower 3G, um, worse, much worse iCloud. It used to be worse. You just don't remember it to be worse because now your judgment is clouded by these new problems. But they are minor problems, you know, compared to what we well, used to have. I mean, one of the biggest issues, I mean, this is not even this show anymore, but what the biggest issue right now <laughs> oh, is, no. is all of this, the idea that Apple has, has decided that um, you can't restore apps from a backup anymore. Like, that is one of the biggest issues that you're not facing because of the way you're doing things. But, like, you know, with the way that this app thing, thinning, app slicing, whatever they're calling yeah. it, yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that you can't, even if you make a backup, you can't download the, the purchases like it, it, it doesn't just restore the purchase. You have to then get them from the store. That's a problem. And, and, and yeah. Anyway, this is another story for another time, probably. Yeah. So we're here to talk about video games today. Yeah. And speaking of which, let me move a topic around. All right. Uh, you know the first game that I installed since setting up this phone today. What is it? So it's called Super Sharp. Oh, it's I put a... this on my iPad because yeah. uh, Apple have you played are it? promoting it. No, I haven't played it yet. Is it okay. good? Okay. It's a good game. So basically what you do, it's a, it's, a, it's a puzzle game based on physics. And you need to cut with your finger. You need to like slice uh, different shapes. And these shapes need to fall into place and touch a little, like a little glowing object. Like if you see a little glowing square of a white color, then the white shape need to be cut. And a part of that shape needs to touch the glowing, you know, little thing on the screen. And it's interesting because, like, initially it it seems stupid. Like, you have a square and you need to reach uh, this glowing little object in the bottom of the screen and there's, like, a little tunnel in between. So, of course, you need to slice the square into a rectangle which falls into the tunnel and touches the, you know, the little uh, glowing thing at the bottom. But then when you when you go on with the levels... Like, there's different glowing 
objects like there's a green one so the green shape needs to touch that one there's a black one there's a white one then you start playing with like uh platforms you need to slice multiple objects at once and you need to calculate like weight and orientation and you need to make uh, little slides like with multiple shapes you create you create a slide so the one shape bounces on, on top of the other so you reach the final part of the level it's really clever and really well done because the the interactions are really simple you just need to swipe and slice uh but it makes you think about what you gotta do you know and so it was the first game that I set up today. I bought it last night, um, and I was just on the on the App Store page reinstalling all my apps from my my purchased history. And I put it on my on my 6s today, and I played for like thirty minutes. It's a really nice game, and I, I find myself this is quite interesting because I find myself playing more and more of these puzzle like games that I find on the App Store thanks to Apple's recommendations. Yeah. So whatever they're doing, it's working because I'm spending money each week thanks to Apple's curation mm-hmm. on the front page. I do too. Yeah, right? It I works. mean, we, we used to say Apple doesn't do doesn't really do curation or Apple features, you know, crappy games, that kind of stuff. But actually, I'm spending at least $5 a week on they still do fun tr- feature a bunch of crappy games. Though. Oh yeah, they do. Like, they do. They really do. But But they also do pick out the good ones too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So that was the first game that I put on my success, Mike. I will, I will, I, I have some games that I need to finish on iOS. Um, I still want to beat my record on Action Year that I told you about last week. Um, and of course, I also want to finish the PewDiePie game because I think it's quite yeah. funny. Anyway, Michael, I, I saved some links for you this week, if you don't mind. First one is kind of a, Kind of a nostalgia uh, link. Uh, so the, it's a it's video of a more of a concept. Really, it's not really a game. It's The Sims, so mm-hmm. the simulation game, the, the famous one, uh, reimagined in the style of Pokemon games. And if you are my same age, so uh, approaching thirty years old, or if you just remember playing the original Pokemon Red and Blue many many years ago, I guess it's. 20, 25 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, it was a long time ago. You you open this video, the moment the music kicks in, it just it all comes back to you. Oh, so yeah. I was I was watching the video, I listened to the first two notes of that, you know, old school computer music, and I was like, yep, yeah, I remember it all. Like it all suddenly formed a memory in my mind. And, you know, just looking at the video from a, from a visual and, uh, you know, from, from a musical perspective, it just, I remember, I remember these, you know, those days really, really well. The, the concept itself, it's the scenes in the style of Pokemon. So you can create your own Pokemon trainer character. You can, you know, assemble furniture. It's worth, it's worth mentioning this is just like a concept video to something. Yeah, yeah, it's not really a game. Yeah, it's it's really just game. an idea. Yeah. But I... I wanted to ask you, does Michael like The Sims? Um, I have played The Sims, did like The Sims. Uh, I'm not really a Sims person now. Mm. Have you ever but played you... it? No, not at all. I right. I found them to be quite boring, honestly. Yeah, that's like, why the I don't play of them anymore. It's managing people. Bit, yeah. 
You know, I already manage people in my in my daily life. I don't want to manage more people when I want to play some video games. So, like me and Gray have spoken about like work simulators and stuff like that. But, oh yeah, yeah, but I think that there are some of them that are more fun than The Sims. To be honest, like you know, some of the stuff that we talk about, like prison architects and stuff, is more fun than a Sims game to me. Um, yeah, I'm, so. I'm, I don't know. It, it, it's something about like just the mechanics of it like the sims is way too focused on an individual or a small subset of individuals so you're more like managing a person's life as opposed to making like running a business because like prison architect is more about like running the business at the prison than looking after the individual prisoners and there's just something about that that difference that interests me like Mm -hmm. But I can't. Re- I, I'm fine. I'm struggling to explain it. Like I enjoy theme park world way more than The Sims, for example. Mm-hmm. My my girlfriend used to be obsessed with The Sims Two. The Sims Two is the one with the with the bad graphics before The Sims Three, which was kind of decent from a visual standpoint. I think she she used to be obsessed with The Sims Two, and it's basically the only PC game she ever played. Uh, she used to uh, when we were back in high school, so <laughs> around. 10 to 12 years ago, maybe she used to spend like two to three hours each day just managing the yeah. Sims. When I was in school, a lot of, a lot of uh, my friends, like my girlfriends, friends that were girls, played Sims. It seemed mm. like, at least in my school anyway, it seemed like it was very popular amongst the girls at the school. Anyway, if you if you're you know interested in the idea of a, of a Pokemon like Sims game, go check out this concept video. This video is a lot of fun, although it does get look it does take a real dark turn at one point. Yeah, it's a. It, let's not spoil it, yeah. Mike. But it's one a, of my one of my favorite things is like all of the interactions. So like conversations between people are like Pokemon battles, and they've got the oh, music yeah. of battles and stuff like yeah, that. I thought yeah. that was a really really nice yeah. touch. Yeah. Very nice. Um, the next video, it's uh, the reveal trailer for this new game called Astroneer. Yeah, who's um, making this? Who's behind this? No Do idea. Know? It's a company, I believe they're called System Era, but that's who yeah. upl- uploaded no, it. But I don't know who that is. Never heard of them before. Okay. Uh, it looks fantastic. It it's really an does. upcoming PC game. It's uh, the best description that I that I read. It's uh, It's a combination of Journey with Minecraft and The Martian, you know, the movie huh. uh, with Matt Damon. Uh, and the idea is you're an astronaut stranded on some kind of planet and you can cooperate with other astronauts. You can manage resources. You can walk around. So from that point of view, it's it's really the journey with Minecraft. And it looks fantastic. It's a It's got a very peculiar style you know with the especially with the low poly trend that's quite popular now uh you know uh if you go to dribble <laughs> the designer website there's a lot of low poly artworks going around uh, it looks really nice and the trailer is really well done um it's coming out on pc mike so again this poses the same problem for us uh, if you if you want to play these games early, because what I, what what it seems to be to me is these games come out on PC first, usually on Steam. Then maybe like six to twelve months later, they come out on consoles or on the App Store. Yeah, 
That's that's so if, that's the the trend right now, and I think it's because yeah. ultimately the distribution models are more advanced for PC, and it's I think probably it's definitely easier because you can just do it yourself. Like you don't have to get like certification and stuff from the console vendors and that kind of stuff. Is my or understanding Apple. right? Yeah, or Apple. Or, so know. it's I I believe like with Steam it's a lot easier to do, and plus you've got like green light and stuff like that. So do you think Apple should allow for stuff like green light? That kind of model, Probably especially not. now that you know Microsoft is doing it, and you know it's a, it's got the console guys interested in this kind of thing. I just cannot see Apple doing this sort of, hey, this is a game you can pay for, but it's not finished. It doesn't seem like their model to me. Yeah, so we gotta we gotta buy this PC, Mike. I told you we gotta we gotta find a way to make our own gaming PC. So we can play these games early. There's there's no way around it, Mike. Is that, is we, that what we have to do now? We just need a gaming PC. I feel well, like that's what that's, we need to do. I think Oculus is going to push us both to it anyway. Yeah. Let's not bring it up again. Speaking of which, another PC game uh, from the Korea... This is actually also on the Mac. So you can play it on your new or your fancy Mac Pro, Mike. Uh, if he manages to run a game. I don't know. Is it still going, your Mac Pro? Uh, it's it, it it works. Just every it now works. and then, I have some <laughs> issues with it. Um, mm. So hopefully on Monday, um, because that's when the, I believe the rumor is that they're going to be announcing like a new iMac, the twenty-one yeah. inch. I'm assuming if they release a new twenty-one inch, they'll maybe give the twenty-seven some bumps, like the four, the five K one, um, and I'm going to buy be buying one. Huh. And selling really? the Mac Pro. Yeah. Are you switching computers again? Yeah. I have to, man. This this thing is too much of a pain. Yeah, it's been it's been a problem in the past year. Yeah. Right? I can't I, mean, I can't happens. keep I can't keep dealing with this. Yeah. Plus you're gonna get a fancy four K screen. Exactly. It's nice. I would like yeah. Retina on, yeah. on, on my desktop because mm. I'm used to seeing Retina on the laptop. And whilst this monitor that I have, this Dell monitor that I have does look really good, it's not retina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this next game coming out on PC and Mac uh, from the creator of Cannabalt. You remember mm-hmm. Cannabalt on the of iPhone? Of course I do, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the best iPhone games ever. It's called Overland. It's a tactical survival game. Um, you need to basically, again, manage resources, manage people from a kind of isometric, top-down perspective. And it's set in a kind of post-apocalyptic society. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like The Last of Us. It's like American people trying to survive. That's my best description. Uh, it looks great. The trailer, actually, it's more of an explanation from the developer. And it shows the various game mechanics, the graphics, which are not finished, but they already look pretty fantastic to me. Um, but I see in the document, Mike, that you ac- actually saw this game at XOXO. Yeah, this was one of the games that... that- I actually spent the most time just looking at, like I was just watching it, and I, I was it was the one I was waiting to play, um, but I couldn't work out what was happening. Why? It just didn't make sense. So I, I didn't have the audio or anything like that. All I could just oh, okay. see what was on the screen, and I didn't really have any context for what the game was. And like, just looking at people playing it, I had no idea what I would do. Like if I mm. if I took picked up the controller. So I was just looking at it for a while because it looked pretty. 
but I didn't really understand what was happening in the game. Hmm. Well, that's not reassuring at all, Michael. Um, well, I mean, like if you if you look at the, the even that trailer video, like it doesn't to me anyway, like clearly explain what's going on, like or what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to make like decisions and manage imagery. I maybe I don't really have a lot of frame of reference for this type of game. I think so. Maybe people that understand these types of games just look at it and they're like, "Yep, I get that." But like, I don't really think that this kind of strategy game is a game that I've played a lot of. So I don't really know if I have, can put it into context of anything. Huh. Interesting. But I'm keeping an eye on this game. You know, it looks really oh, yeah. nice to me. Well, I mean, it's... you know, there's a good lineage from the developer. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the next link, Mike, is about a game that we've been covering, I feel like, for ages, and it's still not out. But before we talk about it, I think you want to take a break. I most definitely do. Uh, So we can thank Igloo for sponsoring this week's episode. Igloo is the internet you'll actually like, because with Igloo, you will no longer have to look at an internet that looked like it was built like 20 years ago. Igloo I've created a product that looks fantastic on all devices so you can work from wherever you want. Like you can be on an iPhone, on an iPad, on a laptop, on a desktop, no matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection and a web browser, you can look at your igloo. And it's going to look great. It's not going to hurt your eyes when you see it. You'll be able to customize all of the colors and the fonts and all that kind of stuff. You can put your company logos and branding in there as well if you want to, to make it kind of feel like the place that people will expect. But you can also customize it with their great uh, drag and drop widget editor so you can set up the functionality that everybody's going to need. So you can, let's say you have a big company and you have like an accounting team and a sales team Um, you can set up the igloo workspaces for them all within the same igloo so they have all of the tools that they need you know so like maybe the accounting team need the document previewing engine that they have right there maybe the sales team want like a kind of like a a twitter like microblog thing so they can talk about the sales that they're making with each other and stuff like that so you can customize it to fit just exactly how these teams will need to work together I mentioned their document preview engine this all features read receipts so you can see um, who exactly has read a certain document which can be really good to make sure everybody's on the same page. But Igloo also allows you to integrate services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox into their big, easy-to-secure platform, which stops people from taking documents outside of your company but still gives them the apps that they want to use for their storage and stuff like that. It's time to break free from the internet you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now and you can try it out for free for any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. Sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash virtual. Thank you so much to Igloo for supporting this show and Relay FM. So, No Man's Sky. Have you ever heard of this? Have you ever heard of this game uh, called No Man's Sky? Uh, no, not really. What, what is it? Is, a, is it like a, like a game about painting the sky? What no, it's it's a video game about a game that will never be released. <laughs> what if, what if oh man, what if No Man's Sky is actually a piece of performance art about the game being teased for many years? At this point it is starting to feel like this. So Sean Murray, um the Great guy, still a great guy. Come on. Seems like a very interesting guy. I, I assume he's the like the owner, CEO of Hello Games. I don't really know what his job title is, but he's the guy, right? He is the he's, guy. He's the, is the he is Hello Games? Yeah, he is Hello. Basically, yeah, he's like probably <laughs> like ten percent of the whole company. It's tiny, small. Um, he went on Stephen Colbert to do mm-hmm. an extended demo of the game, and my feeling about this is one of slight concern because mm. these are the types of things you do when a game is ready to be released. 
Yes. This is this is a big part of the press tour. He's on a late night show, late night talk show. And there's just no date. Like Colbert even like pressed him on it and he's just like, uh, we haven't got nothing to announce yet. I think that the game has slipped or something. Something's going on. Like to the point now where I am my my outside bet, if I was gonna put money on this, okay, I would say that uh No Man's Sky will be a surprise release for PlayStation Plus at this point. You brought up this theory to me a few days ago. So it's you- it's a it's quite a wild one, right? Because imagine Sony giving this game away, right? The the most anticipated game of the year. But so many people are calling No Man's Sky a system seller. What if it was not only a system seller, it's also a subscription seller? Why would Sony want to do that? Get people to, to subscribe to PlayStation Plus. Because the thing is, it's, you know, because with so many people, they'll sign up to something like this and not cancel it. So in the lo- in the long run, Sony would probably end up making more money per title. Hmm. Would it be? I mean, we don't know. We don't know how the deals are made. But would it make sense financially for Hello Games to do this kind of PlayStation Plus promotion? They wouldn't do it unless it did. So, like you know, yeah. a, a bunch of companies have done this now, and a bunch of companies have done it when their games have launched. Um, I'm trying to think of what was the one that was maybe most notable recently. Uh, Axiom Verge, yep. maybe. Yeah, games like that. I mean, the thing is, like, Sony can make it financially viable for them if they want to, right? It's up to Sony. And it could end up working out better for everyone this way. My, my, The only reason I say this is just because at this point, for there to be no release date, but the game is, like, on the PR trail still, it feels like something's happening, the other idea is that the, the 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 late night show appearance was you know set up months ago, many months ago, and then the game slipped. Yeah, that's that's the- that's the more f- the, the 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 more likely one. But the thing was, it it was booked before any date was announced, and then yeah. slipped before any date was announced. Yeah, like are they even saying this year? They haven't no. said anything, have they? No. It's just soon. I think they say soon, right? Soon doesn't mean anything, as we've seen many, many times. Um, and it seems like there's a one point Colbert asks um, a question about, will, will it be boring? If you make a game this huge, will it be boring to explore all these universes and, you know, the galaxies and the uh, solar systems? And I don't know. I don't know if it's just me, but Sean's reaction, he seemed kind of nervous. It must be the kind of problem that they're thinking about. Of course, you because make- they, you have no idea how people are going to react to a game like this. Because yeah. potentially, there's well, again, all of this stuff is like, I saw somebody tweet about this where he's like quintillion planets, right? Planets, yeah. And as I, I don't know who it was, but I just saw this tweet, it, probably a retweet, Uh that is an unprovable number. Oh yeah, you because you cannot count them. Well, like there's no way anybody could ever could ever prove that there is actually that amount of levels in this game. Even if you just say one million planets. Yeah, like uh, it's already too many to to prove. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't really know like if that means anything specific, but it is just an interesting point, right? That it, this is unprovable. All of these claims. So, but like my reason for why I bring that up is like. It's never been done before. Like, this is... No one's ever made a game like this. 
or people have tried and and it sounds like they're making a game like this right that's the other thing because mm-hmm. you know like I will always always bring it back to spore when talking about this it was a game that also was like infinite creation the possibility of life and it was just crap <laughs> but then really you look left up, a mark on you it really game. did it hurt me man but <laughs> then you look at minecraft Right, Minecraft yeah. is the other one on the other side, where it's like infinite creation, no story at all. It at least feels like ha- like uh, No Man's Sky has a point. Like the, the Minecraft's kind of end game is is was really kind of just bolted on. Um, yeah, I am remaining extremely positive about the experience of playing this game because I know the types of things that I enjoy, and I know that I will get great great enjoyment out of the uh, unexpected exploration because that's always been my favorite thing about minecraft that you know i say to you like you dig down for a bunch and then you come into this incredible cavern like that is very interesting to me um the idea of like just this unimaginable exploration of it all yeah um but i'm just becoming increasingly concerned about the fact that we don't that it's not that there isn't even a date. Yeah, I feel like the more time passes and the more skeptical the hard, about... Yeah. The harder it's the, going to be for them to sell this game. We're starting to find concerns and problems because we're just waiting and we don't know what to do with this game anymore. Be- because all we have is our <laughs> own imaginations. Because yes. the things that they show look incredible, but they're the, it's the same thing, right? We've been saying it looks incredible for basically over a year now. Yeah. And, I mean, we get it. It looks incredible. We just want to play this game. Uh, but it looks like... I mean, it it's looks improved from the first videos. Like, there's more uh, stuff to do, maybe. Or, I don't know, just my impression. But it looks more polished. And well, so that's a good sign. My feeling with this demo, maybe compared to the way that they've said it in other ones, this was way more planned. This demo was way yeah. more planned. Um because you know he's done because whenever he's done demos before he's always like we have no idea what's going to happen on this demo right yeah but, it was scripted but this time it felt way more like it was scripted to me like i believe that everything was happening was happening but it feels like that there was a little bit more stuff planted which is if i was them that's how i would do every demo like you can as long as you're giving an accurate representation of what the game's going to be but because it's so random, like you have no idea what you're going to come across. Like you could come across like a brain meltingly horrifying bug, right? But because you have no idea what you're going to find. But anyway, do you mean but, a bug in the in the game or an actual bug, like a feature? <laughs> a bit of both, I suppose. <laughs> I guess one could be the other, right? <laughs> yes, because the way you said it, I was like thinking of an actual bug. Yeah, um, I was thinking like a bug that created something that was just just too grotesque that you would, you know. Do you, oh, cause imagine, imagine that. Because it's being the... built by math, right? Is the idea? Yeah, I remember the article uh, that I shared a few months ago from the uh, from the Atlantic, maybe I don't know. Uh, they had some problems with the uh, generating procedurally the audio and the sound effects of the game. Yeah. They hired, I think, uh, one guy from Microsoft who used to work on these crazy music algorithms. And basically the problem was um, the computer was generating 
sounds that were just horrifying and scary. So they had to tweak the the, 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 the you know the mathematics mathematics behind it to make more natural and human likable sounds. So I imagine the same idea has been applied to the graphics and to the creatures that you can come across. So you're not basically like stumbling upon a person with, you know, without a, without a head, but with three arms and an eye in the middle of his chest. <laughs> you know, you because when you start to combine all these elements, you can end up with some crazy monsters. And maybe you don't want that, you know? So my... Reading about this game and looking at the demos, all the animals and the creatures and the you know the whatever you find in space, they mostly make sense from a biological and anatomical perspective. So they must have some kind of input in the algorithm in the computer saying, okay, you you have this you have these body parts, you have these elements, you can do this and this and this, but don't combine like you know these elements together otherwise you create a monstrosity that no one no one wants to see it's definitely an interesting approach you know to have like uh basically like the hand of god guiding the algorithm that's interesting to me i don't know how it will play out because with too much guidance you can end up with you know uh seeing the same creature over and over which you don't want because you're selling an infinite experience um so we'll see Take a look at the video uh, because it's funny, of course. Yeah, you know, they, they uh, did a good job of presenting it. Yeah, with like the, yeah. you know, uh, tagging everything with Stephen Colbert and look, I continue to be very, very excited about this game, but I'm uh, the 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 further it goes on and the less information we get, the more opportunity I have to worry. Yeah, exactly. That's we tend to worry when we're just left speculating on yeah, things because we, we want it to be perfect. Right? Yes. Speaking of worrying and perfection. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of of this game called Sonic, Mike? This gaming franchise that's I remember very... a good you game remember called Sonic. Sonic. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, so, I, I think that that died about 15 years ago. But basically, with the Dreamcast. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, the Game Boy Advance games and the DS games were decent. Let me let me let me say that they were decent Sonic games. Uh, but the, this new mobile game, it's called Sonic Dash Two because it's the sequel to the first Sonic Dash, and it's called Sonic Dash Two. Sonic Boom. So Sonic Boom is the new cartoon series that's airing in the United States, and it's basically like a like um like a refresh uh, a refresh of the Sonic image for a younger millennial generation. Kinda that was my idea. Uh, it, a lot of people say it's terrible, and I tend to believe them because if this game is of any indication, it's a it's a it's a it's a watered down Sonic game. Basically, a ripoff of um, running games on mm-hmm. the on the on the on the iPhone, but it's even a bad one at, at copying, you know, games like Temple Run and all these other games where you just need to tap and swipe to jump and run. Uh, it's terrible. It's easy. You you basically cannot lose. Uh, the graphics are uninspired. The sound effects are terrible. The music is terrible. The voiceover is. <laughs> I don't even want to mention that. Why don't you say uh, how you really feel? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and I'm trying to be to be polite here, Mike. Yeah. But there's an interesting idea. Um, so this iPhone game, and I took a screenshot actually of the, of the first screen that I saw yesterday. It was just terrible. The interface is like awful. But there's an Apple Watch game or Apple Watch app inside the game. And what it does, it's a, it's, a pedometer, it's a pedometer. It counts your steps on the Apple Watch. And according to your step count, it gives you rewards. It gives you coins and other items you can spend in the main iPhone game. So the problem here is that this game is terrible. And it's totally uninspired. And it just... If you want to play this kind of game, there are many, many better options on the App Store. But this idea of an Apple Watch version that doesn't try to replicate the game, but actually uses the functionality of the Apple Watch to give you rewards, I don't know if it's the best option in this case. But there's something, I feel, to this idea Sure. that it kind of reminds me of the... Of the um, Nintendo had this kind of accessory for the Wii or maybe the Wii U. Do you remember the Nintendo step counter? Vaguely. And it's basically like an unsold item in every video game shop. You can still find it if you because Activity nobody Activity log? The yeah, some, something like that. It was no, like No, that's not it. Uh... I think it was called the Nintendo Wii step something. I'm just looking this up now because I need to make sure. It was an. It was like a little white and green. Was it the Wii U Fit Meter? I think it was. Yes, that's it. The Wii U yes, Fit Meter. Yes, this little green and white thing with with a display. Um, it's kind of similar, right? You're you're you you're monitoring something something about your fitness life and then bringing bringing that data back into the game. So let alone the fact that, uh, you know, the Wii U and Nintendo and, you know, this little screen is terrible on this little device. Uh, there's something to the idea of an iPhone, a game on the iPhone and the Apple Watch. Because ma- uh, many months ago, we talked about Apple Watch games and they were kind of terrible because of WatchKit and they were slow and they were trying in some cases to do too much for what was actually possible on the screen of the Apple Watch. Then we talked about some games that kind of did it right by taking some features from the from the main game on, on the iPhone, such as uh, Trivia Crack or Elevate, which is a brain training kind of game, and they brought this kind of subset of features to the to the Apple Watch. Like, you have 30 seconds, you can play a game in 30 seconds. And that was kind of definitely not the best implementation but it was better than you know just trying to make an rpg for the apple watch it doesn't really make sense and in this case i mean i'm surprised that for this kind of uninspired shameless ripoff they managed to have an interesting idea of their own i don't know maybe they copied it and i just don't know um if they did but i wonder if maybe a better game can explore this idea further and kind of make it better. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't want to end up, you know, having a bunch of Apple Watch apps because all my iPhone games want to monitor my sleep, my, 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 you know, my sleep data or my heart rate data. Actually, I saw there, there was a there was an App Store rule about 
you know, only fitness apps can access your health data and fitness information. I don't know if Apple is enforcing this rule, but still, it's interesting. And I'm surprised that this kind of game has at least one interesting aspect or feature. Yeah, you'd think if it was bad, it was just bad universally. Anyway, I want to um, I wanna just very quickly mention a game that I think looks amazing, which is okay. Star Wars Battlefront. So the beta yeah. is now out now, um, and with it, there's like obviously a lot of footage. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a stream, like a Let's Play that Polygon did of the beta, and it's three hours long, so just skip through it. But this is potentially one of the best-looking video games I've ever seen. Like, just graphically, yeah. it's stunning. Uh, the game itself, like, it looks cool. I don't know if I will want to play it. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. It's, it's, it seems like it's a completely online game. So this is uh, PS4 and in Xbox, open beta? I assume. Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. You can go. You can participate in the beta. And you can play online, right? Yeah. It's on. It's an online only yeah. game. Okay. Like mm-hmm. like Titanfall or Destiny or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, graphically it looks impressive. Yeah, really, really stunning. So I just um, wanted to mention that. I think people should go and take a look at it because I think it's going to be really cool. It's a game that I probably will buy because it just looks so good. And Star Wars, you know, mm-hmm. your favorite. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you actually, Mike? Mm. And I'm serious here, because I, I was uh, I, I was walking around in, in the mall, and there's a Disney store, yeah. right? And I always walk in front of this store, and I noticed that in the past uh, maybe four to five months, they kind of reimagined the storefront, and they have some new Star Wars stuff. And just reading, you know, on Twitter and online, it seems to me that Disney. Uh, it's really investing into this Star Wars thing, right? Uh, they're doing a bunch of different games, movies, spin-offs. Sure. They're doing all sorts of crazy things. So can you tell me, you that you're, you're a Star Wars fan, right? You you you, you like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Disney and Star Wars? I don't. I haven't got a problem with it because this is the way Star Wars has always been. It's always been heavily merchandised. So mm-hmm. Disney are just doing what's always been done, but now it's them doing it. So it doesn't. So it, it's 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 not a break from the norm for Star Wars to see this much merchandise. It's part of the whole feel, experience, to be honest. Do you feel like kids today could be as excited uh, about Star Wars as maybe you know people who saw the original Star Wars uh, when they were kids? Where I don't know, thirty years ago, twenty five years ago, I don't know when it came out. Do you think there can be still that kind of excitement? I feel like, like there can be a lot of excitement, but different excitement. Why? Be- because Star Wars was brand new. Mm. There had never been anything like it. Mm-hmm. But now there's been lots of space movies. Mm. So it's different in that way. Like it, It's unlikely that they'll do something that kids have never seen before. But right, it can yeah. still, they, you know, Abrams can still create and will, I'm sure, create a beautiful, magnificent world. Um, but yeah, it's going to be huge. It's going to continue to be huge. Mm. When does it come out, the movie? December. Oh, so we're almost done waiting. Yeah. So you've got. I assume you- you're going to see it twice. <laughs> uh, yeah. And actually, it comes out a day early in the UK. 
to oh, America. Really? So you yeah. can brag on Twitter. Yep. There are other countries as well where it comes out. I think France gets it a couple of days early because of some rule that they have there. A couple of days. That's yeah. huge if you're if you're a you know big Star Wars fan. Yep. So I'm planning to probably go to a midnight showing just because oh, right. so like oh, yeah. I, you know <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I could be totally like do that. haha look at me. It's a midnight in the UK and I'm at the, at the movies watching Star Wars so you guys can't. Exactly. Right. It, it's basically do you say, a, I can do you say I'm at the movies or I'm at the cinema? I'm at the cinema. Yeah, yeah. thought so. We say at the cinema too. American people at the movies. I what don't know what know? to say there. Ah, oh, Mike. Anyway, do you want to talk about uh, Super Meat Boy? Yeah. So I finally bought this game. Actually, I didn't buy the game. It was given to me for free on the on the PlayStation Plus well, subscription. Kind of free. Uh, it's kind of free, right? Yeah. I paid for my subscription a few months ago, but it's kind of free. Uh, first time that I'm playing this game, didn't have it on Xbox. I only know this game basically because of the indie game, the movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was focused on the making of Super Meat Boy and Fez. Um I really like this game, Mike. I didn't know that it was a bunch of quick levels that you can complete yep. in seconds. Yep. I had no idea. So I I love the style. Like it's kind of gross, but it's gross, nice, nice, gross. Yeah. You know, gross. You play. You play as a little guy who it, it, is made of meat. Of meat. There's meat. A and like the sounds, like the sound effects are yeah. kind of gross, and there's a lot of blood and pulp. I yeah, you leave, know you leave blood wherever you go. Yes, and but it's cute at the same time, you know. Like when you die, it's cute, and it kind of makes me laugh every time I die. Yeah, um, one of my favorite things is that get the, as the game continues, it becomes increasingly difficult. Right? Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, I love that when you complete a level, you see every replay ghosted over. Yeah. Yeah. So you see every attempt that you've made all running at the same time. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah. And in this game, you can try as many times as you want. Yep. Uh, doesn't matter how many times you die, you can still try again. No live and system or anything like that. There's no, exactly. There's no, you know, limitations to how many times you, you need to, you know, to redo a level and then you got to start over. You can just try and try again. Um, this week, you also sent me a link to this uh, Sage Solitaire update. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's changed? So, um, Sage Solitaire is a game that is made by... Is it Greg Wallowend? Yes, I think it is. Oh, is no, uh, Zach Gage. Hel- this is Zach Gage. Z- yes, Helvetica on Twitter. Yeah, Zach Gage made this. It's a Solitaire game, which is... But it's kind of played in a poker way. So, like, I tried to play it and it's made well, but I don't really understand poker well enough that it kind of gripped <laughs> with me. But he's implemented a couple of new game modes. One of them is a Vegas mode, so you play with money. But the money's not real money, but you get, like, a, a bank of money that you can play with. You can bet and you can play money for hands, that kind of thing. But he's also put in a difficulty level called True Grit. And... Basically, what happens is, in true grip mode, if you run out of money, it's permadeath. Like, you can't... The game is done. You can't play anymore. Like, if you if you enable true grip mode and you run out of money, the, you have to delete the game, I assume, is the only way you can get around it. But you're, oh, you're done. It's this... 
like the entire game? Yeah, wow. the game is done. You have no wow, money anymore. Okay. So you can't play. <laughs> That's kind of brutal, Mike. Yeah. And he also has achievements for if you get it low. So if you get your uh, balance to like $100 or $50, you get achievements. So to get all of the achievements, you have to purposefully put yourself in a very awkward situation. Oh, I mean, This wow. is the guy... So I don't know if you remember this. I only have a vague memory of this. But Gage created a game that would delete files from your computer if you lost lives. I do remember this. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. So he has um, a, a, an interesting obsession with, with permadeath and the result of dying in a video game. Um, so he has some really interesting ideas to the way that these types of mechanics work, which is kind mm-hmm. of interesting to me as well. Um, so the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I think obviously Super Meat Boy and Sage Solitaire are both at the complete opposite spectrum here. Yes. Because Super Meat Boy is a difficult game, but you, if you die, you just get another life and your lives are infinite. You're not punished for the lives that you you take up or anything like that. There is no counter, nothing. That's just the way that the game is played. Um, And then Sage Solitaire is on the other end of the spectrum that, you know, there is a mode where if you die, you basically, the game is useless, which is, you know, that's as far as you could go, I think, in this scenario. (laughs) And then I also started thinking about Super Mario Maker because Nintendo have made some interesting choices in, like, the 10 Mario mode. Um, what do they call it? They give it a specific name. Uh, 10 Mario Challenge. 10 Mario Challenge, yeah. So they made some choices of this, what I found interesting. They made some specific choices that you would have 10 lives. So you have 10 lives that you're given to complete 10 levels, and you can earn um, lives as you play. But like, I just wonder, like, why did they make that decision? Why not just 10 levels and you just play them until you complete them? Or like you know, it's all just very interesting to me that they made that these game makers make the choices that they make. So I wonder, like for you as a as a as a gamer, do you have a preference for how you like these things to go? Yeah, it's really simple. Uh perma death and any kind of um, radical consequence on my, on the gameplay that either makes me lose all my money or lose a character or I cannot play the game anymore. That's the ex- extreme consequence i i generally if i can i turn it off because i like the idea like i can understand where they're coming from these game developers uh the fact that you're gonna lose something whether it's money or a character or an object uh in a permanent way that puts you in that kind of anxiety mood that under pressure makes you play better or makes you a better player. And I understand why it makes you think more carefully about your strategy. Because when there's no when there's no continue, when it's always game over, you need to play at the top of your skills. And you need to really think about the game. And you start discovering aspects of the game that you wouldn't have found if you didn't have this kind of consequence ahead of you. So I totally understand where they're coming from. But the problem for me is it doesn't it doesn't make me relax you know yeah. it's just yep. too much and uh, and uh, you know for me playing video games is an escape right it's it's a it's a moment of just relaxation 
and enjoyment and entertainment. I need to just feel completely relaxed, taken by a story, taken by the gameplay, but not, you know, with the anxiety on top of me, with the little guy on my shoulder saying, hey, pay attention or you're going to die, you know? And it's, there's a, there's a, the best example that comes to mind is Fire Emblem. So it's a strategy game made by Nintendo and Intelligent Systems. It's been on every Nintendo platform since the NES. And I used to play it very much. A lot, I put a lot of hours into it on the, on the GBA. I don't remember exactly the subtitle of the Fire Emblem Advance game, but I chose it to play with Permadeath. And I don't remember if it was an option or not. Uh, it was very stress-inducing for me to... Basically, in, in Fire Emblem, uh, if Permadeath is enabled you and a, and a character dies, uh, the character doesn't come back in the next battle. It just dies forever. And that caused me... I was very much... I was younger, you know, 15 years ago. I was in school. I didn't have many concerns or things to do anyway. So permadeath was no big deal because I could always, you know, level a new character. And, you know, even if the other one was good and was dead, I could still make a new one. Um, but he, even at that time, it put me in that kind of anxious... Uh, mood and like it's a psychological thing and makes you think really hard and I don't like that when I'm playing video games because I feel like it becomes another job it becomes another person or object to take care of and I already do that in my daily life again it's the scenes all over again I don't want to manage or take care of at this you know, I spend money on the game. Don't make me lose everything in the game because I suck at the game. That's basically my idea. I yeah. played Fire Emblem again a few years ago. Uh, I played it again with Radiant Dawn on the Wii. I played it on the 3DS. And I don't remember if one of these had an option to turn off permadeath, but I'm pretty sure that I did. And I enjoyed the game very, very much. Uh, because I didn't have that kind of, there's going to be consequences here if you die, uh, kind of, you know, basically design choice on, on top of me, uh, causing me to be anxious about the game, and I enjoyed it very, very much. So, it's interesting to observe these two ends of the same spectrum, you know, uh, Super Meat Boy with the Infinite Continues, basically, and Sage Solitaire, which goes to extreme lengths to punish you, basically. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting design choice. I would rather read about it rather than play it, because it would just be terrible for me. <laughs> you know, I spend maybe weeks playing the game, saving up money, and then I lose all my money, and I need to delete the game. It's just terrible from, <laughs> from my gamer perspective. Yeah, I think me and you are very similar in this regard. I I like Meat Boy because it's difficult, but I, there's no the only the only punishment is my time. So I have to just you know if I'm bad at a level, I just have to keep playing that level as opposed to it being like oh you suck so bad that now you need to start from the from the beginning of this world again because you just got a game over. You know. Yeah. So I I I am the same. Like I don't. 
if I'm trying to enjoy a video game, one of the things that can really turn me off is making me have to, to replay things as a punishment or stuff like that. I, I understand why this is done to add the level of, of danger because that, that attracts mm-hmm. many, many gamers. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. But it isn't the way that I like to play. I have always fantasized about the idea of a, of a game like a Grand Theft Auto where the stakes are that high. You know, where yeah. like... You're trying to keep this guy Imagine alive. Imagine if you die forever there. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> I, I've always fantasized as to what that kind of experience would be like. But fundamentally, I wouldn't enjoy it because part of my enjoyment in those kinds of games is the reckless abandon. And obviously, I would treat the game very, very differently and much more cautiously if the game ended or I had to yeah. restart the game if I died. Because you can't. You wouldn't, it's too you much. You have to give too much attention all the time. Yeah, you wouldn't go around just shooting people in GTA if there was permadeath. Exactly. (laughs) You would be a very well-behaved citizen. Yeah. Just walking on the sidewalk, waiting for the for the green light. You know, Uh, there should be if if I were a game developer, I would consider two two little icons to put up in the start screen of a game. One that says like a button that says "I'm a youngster," and it. Starts the game, you know, with permadeath, all these crazy consequences because you have time anyway. And the second button at the bottom that says, I got responsibilities. And with the I got responsibilities mode, it lets you play lets you play like an adult. You know, it, it's respectful of your time. It turns off permadeath and it, it, it gives you <laughs> unlimited continues in the game. Because this is basically the problem, right? Whether you have time to spend like... Six hours a day playing video games. Only if you basically like us, you got, I would say, one hour tops each day and maybe a few hours on the weekends. But that's being optimist for me. Uh, I would definitely consider that mode. Uh, Mike, I, I really I really cannot play with permadeath enabled. I'm sorry. I, I love games like Super Meat Boy. I just love the feeling of the unlimited lives. Same. You know? Same. So are you enjoying Meat Boy? Very much. I uh, I didn't know that it was... The levels were so uh, bite-sized, you know? Yeah. I like that they're super quick and they change real quickly also. Like, it's level after level after level. And the game design of the level is genius. Like, when you play the levels, when you die, you appreciate the way you died. At least that's what I did because I'm like, oh, I totally get why there's an obstacle here or why there's a chainsaw there. Like, I appreciate the thought that went to designing the levels. It's a very nice game. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I, I've I have played this game um, on a couple of different consoles over the years, and have waited for uh, a good handheld version. So, like, I've been playing it on the Vita because this feels like a perfect handheld game to me. Yeah, um, so I'm I'm really happy that this is that this has come out. Yeah, I agree. And it's coming out on Wii U also. I think there was a teaser really? of some kind. That doesn't I seem th- right. Oh, let me see. Wii U, Meat Boy, teaser. There was some teaser from... What's the name of the, the developer? Team Meat. Uh, Super Meat Boy tease for Wii U release. Wow. Um, oh, this yeah, doesn't yeah. feel like it would get past... Uh, Tommy, Tommy Refines, yeah. one of the Team Meat co-founder. Um, we 
Oh yeah, nice. It's we with the spelled with the with the we console name haven't forgotten about you with the you of uh, Wii U. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, like a blog post or a tweet. I right. cannot cannot confirm this, but yeah, it's we haven't forgotten about you. So yeah, it's coming to the Wii U as well. How interesting. Uh, I just prefer it on on the Vita, you know, because these levels you can you know, take the console, play some levels, put down the console. You don't need to turn it on your TV, you know, use the PlayStation dashboard. It's quicker, and I like it. Man, we I just can't imagine this on Nintendo. It's so... I mean, it's not violent, bloody. but it's, it's bloody. It's very, it's very gory. Uh, it's, it's interesting, right? Because Knowing them, to... I can imagine them making a real funny joke about it and like maybe changing everything to blue and being like or Super to... Waterboy or something. Oh, like instead of, of uh, red blood, it, there's like rainbow blood. Yeah, like I, I can imagine them doing <laughs> something like that even if Nintendo didn't have a problem with it, you know? Oh, yeah. I remember the days when... Uh, it was the GameCube or maybe the early Wii days. And a lot of people were saying there should be GTA on Nintendo consoles. Nintendo should do something, anything to talk to Rockstar and have a, a GTA game. Uh, because Nintendo needs adult games for, you know, older people, older gamers. And instead, so Nintendo never had a, a GTA game on, on the GameCube or the Wii. Uh, but instead, I think Ubisoft or maybe someone else made this very, very bad GTA clone. And I don't remember the name right now, but it was called uh, Los Angeles something. Uh, what was the name? And it was so bad, Mike. I don't remember it was that. A very, I was like, um, maybe True Crime? Could it be True Crime? True Crime Streets of LA. It was the 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 name. I seem to remember this. And it came out on GameCube, so I was right. Also on OS ten. I didn't know that. It was very bad game, Mike. Uh, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, this is gonna be the GTA for for the GameCube." I remember was, this. I remember it was, this. <laughs> it was so. I bad. feel like I did play this. Oh yeah. Yeah, I feel like I did. I, I, this is a game that I would have bought, and I was a big GameCube guy. Did I tell you, like, I probably, I must have told you this before, that I had a little TV screen that went on the top of my GameCube? What did you have? I had a screen on the top of my GameCube. So, like, you could (laughs) open it it up, and there was a little screen used to sit on the top. So, you could play the GameCube, like, as a self-contained unit. Seriously? Where did you buy that? Uh, I can't remember. It probably was just from, like, game, like, the the store here. Yeah, if you look at, um... Trying to find something here that's a good. Oh man, that's cool! I'm jealous. I always wanted one of those. Uh, there's a company that makes them called Hori. Yeah, I, I found I found a, a link. I'll put it in the in the show notes and in the chat room uh, to an eBay thing. Let me see. Um, let me hang on one second. So you were playing the GameCube as a portable console, basically. Effectively. Are you- you still needed to plug it into the... the it know. needed to be plugged into the mains, yeah. But I used to basically... I could play GameCube in bed. Oh, man. It was sweet, Color? man. I remember playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 on Of this. course you did play Tony Hawk's. I've been, I've been, I've been, I think about this that Tony Hawk's game every day and how much they were And there were speakers in the screen. Yeah. 
Oh, this thing was awesome, man. It was the tiniest, most useless screen ever, but it was fantastic. How come you never told me you had this screen? For I the feel game like I've, I must have mentioned it at least once no, before. No, no, no. First time I, I heard of this, Mike. I tell you, man, it's... that was that was the way to roll. I had great. I nice. really enjoyed that thing. Very nice. Very nice, Mike. I had no idea. Oh, before we finish today, Federico, I just want to mention uh, Relay FM's new iOS app that we oh, have. Oh, yes. Yes. So, you know, I mentioned the chat room and we stream, we stream every episode live um, and now we have an, an app for iOS that is primarily for live streaming. Um, so you you can go into the app and you'll see like a, a like it's like 10 or 15 of the most recently published shows um, and you can hit the little notify button. Um, and what that will do is it will turn on push notifications for that individual show. Um, and then whenever this, so say for example, virtual, whenever we stream live, you'll get a push notification. You can open the app and just press play and you'll be able to to listen to me and Federico record live. And also like the, the, the shows that we have in there, they have some great animations on them. So you can kind of just preview some stuff that we have. And this is basically, uh, this is the 1.0. We have a lot of work that we would love to do and more stuff that we want to add to the app. And we'd really love your feedback. Um, and we've been we've worked working with the great people at Tapjets to build this, um, and this is I think I think that the the Relay FM iOS app going into the future could be a real hub for some of the stuff that we do at Relay FM. So um, this is not meant to in to replace your podcast app. Um, we really don't want to do that because that's it's not built for that you know this is really a streaming application mm-hmm. um and but if you find a new show in the app that you like you can just hit the subscribe button um and you'll be able to subscribe in the ios app that you use and it's iphone and ipad um and it even supports split view for you federico oh thank you thank you and it's nice because uh if you're interested in live streams um using safari on on the iphone it's it's it is not a good experience. This right? is why we, we primarily did this because the it, it works, but it is not ideal, um, and you don't get notifications. Um, you so don't that's get, you know yeah, that exactly. they, they, they're the two kind of reasons that we did this uh, because we want to make sure that we're giving more people the chance to listen easily live because you can listen on any platform that has a web browser. But this this enables you to be able to kind of get to the stream a bit easier. And we're thinking, you know, we, we have plans to, to do things like add uh, live chat and stuff like that in the in the future. So that mm-hmm. is something that we're working on. But it would have taken us um, longer and we wanted to kind of get the app out, really. So we've decided with yeah. the 1.0 to just go with the stream in. Um, and then you can chat on the site or you can grab like an IRC app from the App Store because obviously the audio will run in the background while we record. So yeah. I hope that people check it out. And, and I, what I really do is I hope that increases the amount of people that do listen live and can listen live so um, I hope that people go check that out it's really really nice and I love the animations yeah uh, Chris and, and, and Frank and Mateus have just done an incredible job we're very lucky we have a great team behind us um, who have helped us bring this to life well done Michael Indeed. So if you want to find the show notes for this week, including a link to the app, you can head on over to uh, relay.fm slash virtual slash 54. If you'd like to find Federico online, he is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes over at maxstories.net. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next time for another episode of Virtual. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci.